to the Just Start Storytelling Podcast. My name is Ariel Beth Klein. I'm an actor, writer, creative coach based in New York City. And today um, we have a wonderful conversation with Grace Aki. She is a multi-hyphenate, just like amazing human and artist, as you will shortly see. Um, today we talk about Grace's solo show, To Free a Mockingbird, among mental health and creative process and just yeah, all things, all things art, really. Um, yeah, j- we're going to talk about it in the show, but Grace's show that we talk about here is going up in Atlanta at She Arts um, on August 28th at 7.30 p.m., and there is a digital performance on September 11th, also at 7.30 p.m. I'm going to link the tickets in the show notes, follow Grace, follow all of her amazing things, and yeah, without further ado, here is my conversation with Grace Aki. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I am This so is not fun. a favor. This is an honor. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, your show is coming up, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, yeah. Maybe can you just like do a little talk about yourself as a person slash artist, whatever that means to you? Yeah, sure. Um, it's always so weird to, to talk about yourself, right? Because you're like, what's the uh, Wikipedia top three lines of me? Like, what does that even mean? Um, but I guess you could say that I, you know, I do a lot of podcasting. I host um, Broadway radio. I now do content strategy for Broadway radio, Broadway records, lots of Broadway adjacent things. I'm not equity. Uh, <laughs> I have my own podcast, Tell Me on a Sunday, uh, which is like a storytelling podcast. And, and you and I met doing storytelling, so I can lead into that and being an, an actor and multi-hyphenated person. Yeah, I know it's multi-hyphenated, um, but you know, it, it's like I wear a million hats, so I can't possibly name them all, but I like to do a lot of things that I feel like I'm all right at. And also things that I want to get better at and just all around artists. That's how I can book in that. Just, I am an artist. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's always, I feel like it's weird to not start these with intros, but it is like, how do you, I love the yeah. idea of Wikipedia yourself. Like, how do you even do that? And yeah, yeah I, I just learned this year too, that you're a visual artist too, or like a fine artist, right? Like you, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Illustrator, I guess. Illustrator. I don't know. I've been doing art since I was like in third grade. Uh because like when you're, I, it's such a cliche, but like when you're like the girl in the class that's like always doodling or like writing or talking, they're like, you're a creative person. And then there's kids that like get good grades and go to college. Um, and so I was, <laughs> I started taking like, like oil painting classes when I was really, really young, like again, like third grade. And then I just kept doing it. And then I, I started like a business in high school um, where I would paint on Tom. I was actually a Tom's ambassador artist for a while. Uh, oh, cool. Do you remember the shoes when everyone wore those canvas yeah. shoes? I used to paint those for money. Um, I used to paint vans as well. I would do um, all types of illustrations. Then I was like, that's insane. I also got really upset because my artwork would get destroyed because people walk in shoes. Are you aware of that? <laughs> yes. I was pissed. Um, <laughs> And also I was, I was charging like nothing for it because I was a young person. I was just like, I just feel like honored. And, and I always feel like that anyways. Um, so then I stopped and then um, pandemic, I was like sitting alone with an art pad and, and like many artists were just kind of like, what, what should I do? And, and I got to the point where I was like, oh my gosh, I've never, I've always been so nervous about watercolor, which I feel like kind of like leads into a lot of things that you talk about on your show. 
which is like the inability to um, control the artistic movement of a thing. And watercolor has always scared me because you can't control it at all. Like literally you dip your paintbrush in water and some like ink and then hope it works out. And it's always going to do something different. You can't control it. And I've always stared, like steered way, way, way past that. I'm like, oh, oil. I know exactly how much pigment is going to come up on a canvas. I know exactly how much texture there's going to be. But with watercolor, I couldn't control it. And so last year I couldn't control it all. And I started doing more watercolor and ink illustrations. And yeah, I just added it to my book of unnecessary things that I do with my time. Would reframe as necessary because I personally love your art. Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I love talking to multi hyphenates also because there's no way to not like kind of produce mm-hmm. your own work, even if you don't mean to. Like, yeah. even if we're just like, oh, I guess I'm gonna make this thing that I care about, and then you're like, oh, I guess I can write it, and then I don't know. I just love right. Yeah, I just love talking to multi hyphenates with ideas because that's basically what I feel like my whole artist community yes. is. <laughs> Um, yeah, very much so. That's that's why you and I probably um, linked up so quickly. Is that like we were we were both like you know introducing ourselves in this class, and and you were like, well, I you know I do this, and also I like run around this theater, and also like I teach that, and I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> someone who has the same Google Calendar as me, love to see it. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's color coordinated, but it still yeah. is chaotic. It's like, oh right. <laughs> I just pick it. I pick color based on mood, not based on what it is. Like there, like multiple things in the same category, but I have a different color for it. Cause it's like, I really want to do that. Or like, I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> so it's a color I don't like. That is so funny. Mine is based on like brightness. Like if it's a reminder, oh. it's red. Cause like, if I yes. don't read it, I'll forget. Anyway, <laughs> podcast transition because I'm learning yeah. to pause in between my rambles. So it's easier to edit. Um, so I asked you to, um, mainly talk about your solo show that is coming up to free a mockingbird. So I was just wondering if you can tell me a little bit about, well, I know, I think a lot, but for the people, Grace and I, I was going to say, honestly, guys, if anybody knows anything about this show, it's Ariel, because we spent weeks working on the beginning iterations of our own pieces. Like that was when you had an absolute nugget of Shook's a boyfriend. Am I correct? Like when, when we started, and then yeah. you like kept going with it and it turned into something way different than I thought it was going to be, to be frank. Me too. And I've loved watching the process of it, but yeah, we, we, we met doing um, kind of like the beginning workshops of our own pieces. And um, I think that like the first uh, story that like Seth Barish was like, uh, tell, tell us a, a story that has to do with blank. Right. And I told this like brick story about how my um, mother obtained a brick. And I know that sounds very <laughs> obscure, but I promise you, like, if you, if you're able to watch it, listen to it, whatever, um, it'll make sense. Uh, but yeah, so I just brought this one story cause I thought it was just interesting. And, and I think that that's what was so great about how, how we wrote our pieces is that like one thing stuck out in our mind and then we were able to go like, okay, what are some things that are related to that? Oh, okay, cool. So that's kind of how it's gone. I, I've just taken all these stories that um, I've heard throughout my whole life about my family. And, and honestly, some stories that I got wrong. Like it's been so interesting to like hear my mom uh, see the show and be like, you know, you, you remembered that incorrectly. And I would go way nicer than what my mom said to me. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> um, but I was just like, uh, wait, what are you talking about? And then she'll, she'll flip something. And then I'll be like, but that doesn't fit my show. 
<laughs> or whatever it is, or I'll, or I'll change it, you know, something. Um, but basically it's, it's all these, uh, family stories that I've heard throughout my life. And, um, I started telling them in, in this class and, and I met Kate Robards who ended up, uh, taking it on to direct. And that was really exciting. And, I realized she, we got like further along in the process of developing it for like this workshop, uh, artist in residency that I feel like you, you also were at that. It was like, I, whole thing. It. I didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was there, but I wasn't part of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, um, it was, <laughs> it was funny because Kate goes, um, so like, you're not in this piece at all. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, there's nothing about you in this. Cause I was just relaying my family and I'm like, well, that's me. And she's like, yeah, but they don't know. Like, they don't know who you are. And so I was like, oh, cool. I, you know, famously forget about myself. Like, I think that that's something also that's true for a lot of women. We're like, no, but it's our job. It's our burden to carry on somebody else's piece. Yeah. And like, you know, the way you talk about your family and your piece. And it's just like, where do we see you and your experience? And so that's why I love, <laughs> we, we, we both kind of have this thing where we talk about like childhood, like funny things that happened publicly, like in class or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, that's basically the piece at this point is like, how do I, how do I get people to think about how they relay their stories and how do I make them laugh in the meantime? <laughs> because I think that it's easier to digest generational trauma through the lens of a standup. <laughs> I think that if we can, if we can trick people into, um, dealing with things, they're more likely to do it. So, uh, that's kind of, that's kind of what it is at this point. <laughs> love. Yeah. And I love, um, there, I just saw a show poster for it. Um, and you said generational trauma is funny, right? And I just thought that that was so relatable because like at some point I feel like people are just now like unpacking generational trauma in a way that we have not talked about. And I think both of our pieces touch on this of just like, oh, yeah, my acoustic panel just fell on my head. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> That's the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Hot New York City apartment command strips. This is <sighs> Well, I, I literally bought some last night for my sound panels. So I a thousand percent identify sad that it, we didn't have it happen at the same time, but it's happening on the other end. So good. Anyway. Uh, yeah. But oh, that phrasing though, like oh, yeah. to be specific, like I had never even heard of that, uh, generational trauma because I'm like, oh, well, you know, like I, I've experienced things and then my mom has experienced things and then my grandmother's experienced things. And then, um, oh, wait that seems like it goes throughout the generations and there's so many weird parallels and I hate that, but I also love it because I think that you and I are both in a generation where we are more prone to being okay with like talking about it, a B, you know, retelling and, and hashing it out, say like going to therapy. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, my, my family comes from intense Japan and then they moved to the South and I love Georgia. Like I, I talk about it in the piece. Like I, I this is not me being like, ah, F you, I mean, yeah, yeah. don't love the Confederacy, but like, you know, I, I think that it's worth discussing the fact that like, you know, we don't, we got to bury that shit, yeah. bury it hard. So yeah. I feel like there's something else that I wanted to say before the acoustic panel situation. Wait, we were talking about. <laughs> We were talking about generational trauma. We can. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Before we move on from that. Um, have you read the book? And I talk about this in my show. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm so excited. Grace, if you can come see my show in October, it has. No, you know, I am. 
I feel like there was a piece. Yeah. No, no pressure, but there was a piece that no. was missing and it was this generational trauma because I didn't have the language until I started working on the piece. Okay. So now it's in there. And do you, have you read the book? Um, it didn't start with you by Mark Wolin. No. Oh, I'm going to write this down right now. It, yeah. It is so good and beautiful and healing because, and I didn't do all of the exercises that he suggests in the book, but okay. he really talks about like, you can have memories of things that didn't happen to you. Jesus. And I'm like, that's what my show's about. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Like, this is crazy. So yeah, yeah. this helps me a ton. If anyone is looking for something of that sort, I recommend it. That's awesome. No, this is, this is also what I love about our community, right? Which is, which is what I hope all of your listeners um, recognize is that like, because we have been at the inception of a lot of our pieces, it is absolutely thrilling to revisit everyone's stuff. Like it seriously is. It's not because we're like bored and want to spend $10 every four months to see our yes. friends. We could do that anyways. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's thrilling to be like, oh, cool. Okay. You know, I, I know I, I latched onto that line or, oh, I didn't hear that this time. I wonder why they cut that or, or something like that, you know, and it's not in a, like this weird, rude criticism type of way. It's really because of artistic expression and like how we're, how we're making changes and how we're not, not even, I don't even want to say improving. We're just elaborating and, and it's very exciting. So I'm really glad that you're presenting again. This is, this is cool. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And same, like, I can't wait to um, see, I bought the virtual ticket. Cause obviously I would love to fly to Atlanta and see you in person, but alas. Well, the hope is that I get to like do it in New York sometime yes. soon. I'm trying to like tour it around. I'm talking to a theater in Chicago right now. I'm trying oh, to sweet. like jump it around because I think that this is something that again, our teacher Seth talked about, which is that like when he was working on Mike Birbiglia's show a couple of years ago, he took it around because having a one person audience or a 20,000 person audience, no matter where you go geographically, you're going to find something that hits different or, you know, that works, you know, doing particularly doing my show in Atlanta again, because I got to do it a, a, two years ago at um, the Fringe Atlanta Festival, um, doing a show that takes place predominantly in the South, um, doing it there. I get a lot of mm, mm, on certain lines, right? And in New York, I get a lot of mm, mm, when I talk about the subway, and it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's so different. And and I have to learn. I, I'm always uh, because I'm a people pleaser, because nature. Um, I'm always wanting everyone to be comfortable, even though I know there's some things that are uncomfortable. But we can all agree what's uncomfortable. Like I think that finding what what makes everyone feel like they're heard and because audiences they're obsessed with themselves we are all like insanely narcissistic like we're all sitting there being like I feel seen I feel heard you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the Disney movies that you liked as a kid is because you felt seen it's yeah. not because you really love the protagonist's song <laughs> it's because <laughs> yeah. you you felt like you were heard right so I I always want to make sure that the audience uh everybody is able to feel like they got somewhere with their own personal journey throughout yeah, yeah. And I, I have a question too about because um yeah when we me and grace did uh the solo show workshop like four or three years ago what is time i don't even oh know. my god it doesn't really matter how long <laughs> but the point is that's not fair <laughs> sorry uh the point is that we both have had like multiple iterations of both mm -hmm. of our pieces and um i ended up actually starting the solo show workshop with a full draft short but like a full piece and it like oh my god because it was bad because I didn't know how to write it yet right but I was like I have to come in with 
so, like stuff. Oh, yeah. Like it could come in with some sort of like shape of it. And I was just wondering, did like did your show come from that brick story, which by the way made me cry. So like everyone go see this show because this brick is the protagonist, maybe. Anyway. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps the titular character. It is the mockingbird. <laughs> yes. No. Um, but oh my god, I just got that. Wow, that's so brilliant. Okay. Um but yeah, so did 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 you when you were like, I want to write this show, did it come from a theme? Did it come from like one story? Like how kind of what like um, inspired you to kind of start the project? Yeah, so this is kind of lame. Um, I the week after um, the week after uh, a significant event happened in my life, I got back to New York and it was I was really uh, raw, but I was I was like running, like you know when you've experienced something like really uh, terrifying or, or horrible. <laughs> you're I I particularly I don't know about anybody else but I was like okay well if I just like distract myself with like a hundred things like maybe it will all go away and um I put myself into Rick Crom's uh stand-up class and got to and then after that got to perform at the comedy cellar and just did some like upsetting stand-up at the time it wasn't as cool to do things that were now now I think it's cool because of certain like Netflix specials like getting uh, people a little upset during your stand-up piece was like not a thing, especially like, I don't know, I came out like very bubbly, uh, lip gloss a la Britney Spears, um, like just ready to go, right? Um, so I was doing some of that. And then uh, I was living in the Bronx, Bronx at the time and I had a new uh, roommate named Joe Farrelly, shout out, <laughs> Joe's the best. And we didn't know each other that well. And uh, he was like, oh, you just got back from Georgia. What were you doing there? <laughs> And I was like, oh, I just had to like take care of some stuff. Yeah. And he was like, literally, I was only there for like four days. And he was like, oh, what, uh, what'd you do? And then I kind of told him and he goes, wait, how'd all this happen? And we sat down and for three hours, I talked to him wow. and we ordered, like, we ended up like halfway through like ordering food. He's an actor. He's a writer. Like he's our kind of guy. Right. And afterwards he like grabs my hand we did not know each other that well but I was like this guy is going to be one of my like core buddies forever now um just because I've now shared too much and he goes like I think you really need to like write all that down if you feel uh if it's not too much and I think you need to share this mm -hmm. I think you need to share it and I and and legitimately like 80 percent of what's in that show is is from that conversation and it was just because he, he was like willing to listen. And, and I didn't realize that within me, I, I already had, I've been, I've been storytelling forever. Right. It's just like part of DNA because of, to be frank, like having, um, when you, when you grow up and, and your parents sometimes aren't, uh, they incapacitated or, or they, they aren't that interested in you. You feel the need to like put on a show all the time. And so I was like, okay, how can I, how can I keep, how can I keep this person's focus? And how, how can I like, how can I make this entertaining? And so I've been doing it forever, unfortunately. And so, um, my new roommate, Joe, just happened to be the guy that was sitting there when, on the couch in the Bronx when we were, when I was very raw. And, um, I'm, I'm so glad that he said that. And he's encouraged me ever since he's just been like, yeah, he's actually, I don't think he's ever even seen the show. Um, uh, cause he's not been in New York, which is funny. So I think that this iteration, he'll finally rehear it after five, six yeah. years. 
<laughs> but um, yeah, so it's so it's literally because someone said, just tell me that story. And um, that's what I hope to encourage throughout all of our relationships is like, sometimes you should literally just fucking ask. It sounds like you have a story about that. And if you have the time and the mental capacity, because I know it's a mental burden, just ask. Yeah. Yeah. I love so that. That's a phrase that, that I like to use that um, when someone says something that could be very easily like, oh, yeah, I get it anyway, you know, where it could be a very easy, like, I want to get out of this conversation. If I sure. have the capacity, I'll just be like, oh, tell me more about that. And usually mm-hmm. people are like, really and I'm like yeah yeah and I love the idea of just like letting oh my god like letting people yeah yeah not letting them inviting them mm-hmm. to like to just share yeah 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 I'm just now I'm just thinking about like the start of of like the process of any story that I've ever written has been like mm-hmm there is a story in me that has to get out. And it's so interesting that yours was clearly in you and needed to get out, but you didn't even realize that you could write a show about it or like that mm-hmm. you wanted to even, I guess, at that point, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, started cause, telling it. Well, cause I think also we have this like weird, and I put a post about it today because I'm like, well, you don't, you can't write anything unless you're a playwright. <laughs> oh, you can't, you're not allowed to do that. And I'm like, why, what have I done to myself to mentally make me think I, I'm not supposed to do that. And I think it all goes to like, you know, when I moved to New York, I quote moved, I'm doing heavy air quotes, listeners, um, moved to New York to be an actor. And so anything that's without that scope means that I am a, a failure B like, cause I, I mean, I'm not doing that. So if I'm not doing that, everything else sucks. Right. Um, and then also that like, someone has to give me permission. Someone has to tell me that I am that. And I think, I think it must've been Kate was the first person to be like, this is so exciting. Like, this is your first, um, you know, play you wrote a play, you're a playwright. And I was like, well, no, <laughs> Well, no, that's not what this is. I'm like doing a little ditty. Like I am talking into a mic and that's what this is. And she was like, no, Grace, you like wrote a play. I was like, but I didn't like write it. You know, like I didn't sit down. I wasn't asked to go to a writer's retreat. I've not been given thousands of dollars in grant money. I am also not a man. So I cannot be a playwright. That's what that means. I mean, literally it's still, even now I'm dealing with it. So, um, yeah, it's just funny. Like we don't, we have to like grant ourselves permission, which sucks, but yeah, I don't know. Still dealing. Yeah. No, I loved your post today about imposter syndrome because I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to and something that I I have within myself. But when anyone else has it, I'm like, absolutely not. Let's get you through this. And that's basically where my business came from because I'm like, yes. you can do this. Like, you can literally do this. Yeah. Just start. Just start the little, like, I want to, yeah. I just, but I like, everyone's you're story. a small business too. You know what I'm saying? Like, you within yourself, like people yeah. pay you because you're incredibly skilled at so many things. And at the same time, you have to like say, okay, if I was charging me, what would I charge? And like, how am I dedicating that much energy to myself? How? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's okay. It's, you know, like I do content strategy and like content creation for other people. I love doing it for other people. And then there's like my shit. <laughs> and I'm like, well, no, I don't want to look full of myself. 
And I'm seeing people post garbage often to do support, to, to contribute, whatever. And I'm just like, but, and it's like, why don't I believe in myself that much? I should not be knocking down somebody else for believing in themselves that much. Like, that's great. So yeah, it's, um, we've got to, we've got to take care of ourselves as small businesses, which is what we are as creatives. Yes. That took me a little while to learn, but it really does change the game and make it almost less personal when you think of it that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something, this quote, this is irrelevant, and then I'll keep asking you questions about walking. I mean, no, it's, it's rele- all relevant. It's it's relevant, but a quote um, that I love, um, I listened to the podcast, My Favorite Murder, which- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another one. Another. One of the hosts, um, I think Aunt says to her once, like, bigger dummies than you have done it. And I was like, wait a minute. That's true. Bigger dummies than me have done it. And I'm just like, yes. I can maybe do something. Yeah. How much mediocre shit do you and I see? So much. So much. For top dollar. Yeah. So my little piece of shit, I can be like, yes, it's $5. Please come. Right. Yeah. It's $5. Please come. And my opinion, it's great. Yeah. You'll thanks. laugh. You'll cry. You'll learn about what we're talking about, about the brick. Honestly, that's, I feel like, enough of a teaser. Like, if someone was, like, come learn about this blender, I'd be like, yes, here I come. That was the second tagline I came up with, was besides the generational trauma one that you talked about earlier, was um, putting the past together brick by brick, Ugh. so that I'm hoping, <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm hoping that, like, it helps. Um, God, I so thanks. That. I appreciate it. Thanks for the endorsement. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. Um would you be um, open to telling us what like the most challenging part of your process is or has been? And oh, a thousand percent. It's writing um, because I don't consider myself a writer and I didn't go to school for writing. I was probably a crap writer in high school. I know I was. I, I knew I could write if I wrote as me, which sounds insane. And let me explain that. Like I, uh, I could write things down like essay format if I pretended I was performing Mm. and then it was fine, it was good, whatever. If I wrote like what I thought that they were supposed to want, which I, which is what you always do, like essay for, oh, this is what a smart person would sound like. This is the right formula. It was garbage and like embarrassing. Um, So I've always been like, I'm not a writer. Writers are uh, really smart and um, thoughtful and uh, understand grammar. And I famously don't. so writing has been the hardest part because I record so much into my phone. I, that's my process, if you will, Ugh, pretentious words. Um, but that, I mean, it is that though, right? It is that, that's what you're asking. Um, I, I would just like go, oh, that's funny. And then I would literally pop my phone out of my pocket and then be like, no, <laughs> um, and so then that stuff would stay and hopefully I would save it correctly because sometimes you do a voice memo on your phone and then it just shows the location of where you recorded it if you don't change the name of the recording so there's a lot of like various addresses in my voice memos uh, that I have to go through and some of them are really upsetting and I'm like I wish you'd labeled that you dumb bitch um yeah so it's basically taking all of these recordings and performances and physically writing them down as in typing them into my computer and uh this latest situation with she ATL was the first time that I sent a formal script in and that scared the hell out of me 
uh, because first of all, you're sending out your IP, like you're sending out your own intellectual property. Terrifying. Um, and then also like, what if my writing's bad? Like I, if I could, I, I could sell me maybe like if I could just like perform for them, but that's not how this works as a writer. Like you have to, you have to provide a script, a full script. And that is not fun for me. Might be fun for other people. Um, and it was selected. And so this is not me like trying to like hype myself up, but like just to remind people that like, yes, it's very scary. And you may not even consider yourself a blank, but like I, I was in full tears. Like I made a phone call right after I got the email that it was selected. And it, cause it, cause it was like the, the play, the play was selected. Not a, not because like I sent in a funny video of me talking or like they had like looked up my shit. Like, no, it was just the script out of all these submissions, they picked like three. So I just, yeah, that that's been the hardest part, but like that little validation has sent me so far to be like, cool. Okay. Well then I, I can apply for this thing or something like my script isn't up. My words are enough, which is wild to think if that's the thing that you think you aren't. And then like, you're, you're being told that like, you're getting that. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's been the hardest part for me is literally writing a play. <laughs> yeah, no, that's huge. And I didn't realize that like that was the first time that you had written it down because I think it is so especially with solo show work like yeah it is like reading my script I'm like this sounds really dumb and then I will mm-hmm. say it out loud and someone will laugh and I'm like oh yeah it's different when you read it out loud so it's so hard yeah. in a solo show to trust that like your vibe will come through like right like this makes sense when I say it with the certain cadence but like how do I write that so someone else can understand it while they read it it's like a whole different ball game like a sentence that, I mean, I was looking at my script the other day and it was like, there was, there's a sentence that's like, and you know, like racism anyways, dot, dot, dot. And can you imagine just reading that? And you know, like racism anyways, dot, 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 or whatever. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so glad that they understood. And, and, you know, the, the people that selected it have talked to me since. And they were like, yeah, we, we just saw so much sarcasm in this. It was just so funny. And I was like, Oh, fuck. Yeah. Like I wrote, like how it's supposed to come out. I guess that's what writers do. There you go. <laughs> just but like I will say, oh no, sorry. No, no, that's it. It's just, it's just weird. Yeah. Well, I think that that's great that you talked about that process of writing. Cause I like to say with the few people that I've worked with so far is like, your process is going to look different. And sometimes it is talking out loud and sometimes it is just like doodling or just like thinking about something. And it's not always pen to paper. It's actually the least bad, I think. But eventually you have to do that, I, you know, to submit a script, as you said. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just think that that's, we put so much pressure to like sit down and write. And it's like, oh, that is so limiting. Like, how about you just put yourself in a creative mindset and see what you want to do that day? I don't know. That's easier yeah. said than done, I think. But I think that's the, I don't know, a little reframe of, of the process, I think. Yeah. But. Yeah. And so would you say that what is like one of the most rewarding parts of it so far? Um, You kind of included part of that in the last one, but is there anything else that sticks out? Yeah, uh, I don't know, like believe in yourself. Like I, you know, I just, that's always been a thing for me for, for life, like not believing that intellectual work is worthy of me. Like, uh, I guess like when you're young and, and being typed in a way. Like I, I go back to my like ugh, 
school directors of shows, right? And it would always be like, oh, well, you'll do like the, like the funny thing or like, oh, you'll do like the fun dancey thing because I could dance. And I was never considered like to do more dramatic or more like interesting or even protagonists, like whatever stuff. And that, I know that's like little in school, but it affects you, right? Like throughout your life. And so if I, I just convinced myself that they were all right and that like, oh, well, I'm, I'm limited to do like this little thing. I, I'm limited to like making people laugh and then, oh, impressing them with like dancing or like uh, whatever it is. But um just like being validated on an intellectual level feels really good, especially by women, like people that are, I consider like incredible and now like peers. Um, that's just huge. So I guess like the validation of all of it, which sucks that I have to like wait for that. Right. Like it shouldn't be that we should just like be able to harness that on our own, but, uh, that's not how it works all the time. So that's kind of been that. Yeah. Is there anything that you wish you had known um, when you were first starting out with this piece that like would have been helpful earlier? Oh my God, it does not have to be perfect. Like, what do you, it, it's, no, nobody, nobody watching it is being like, well, I was promised. <laughs> like I, I was, I was told this was going to be something else. Nobody's fucking seen it. Like, I think I always have this expectation of like this insanely high standard. And it's like, what if, nobody gives a shit. Like everybody's there to support you. If they're there, they're, they're there. They're already there. They want to, they want you to succeed. So shut up. Like, don't, don't, don't beat yourself up before somebody else has. Yeah. Yeah. Like do literally have a process. I think that that's what I, like, I, I took the word process and like threw it out. Like I threw it out of my vocabulary because I was like, no, it's either I'm writing it in silence and in secret, and then I perform it for people and it will be perfect. And so I just have to remind myself when I use the words like workshopping and it's in a process and it's in a transition or we're doing this, it's like, no, it it is because it's being worked on you dumb bitch. (laughs) Like it's not, it's, it's not, you're not charging 80 tickets at the town hall. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. But when we get there, because you and I are going to get there, that's when people can expect the best. And if we don't deliver that, well, then refunds all around. <laughs> refunds? Hashtag refunds in 10 yeah. years. Um, this is so when I do my show in October, it's the first time where I'm not calling it a process because this is going to be the final time that I'm, I may be performing it, hopefully. I um... feel like I have it's just not going to work in my 30s like I'm 28 and as I'm getting older the show is very much like a self-discovery like coming of age kind of feel and if I did it later in my life I would have to I think rewrite it my director was like you could rewrite it as a memory piece and then you could still tell the same story but I do feel like I'm ready to like have it be this what it is and maybe after this New York run and hopefully get some reviews to try and publish it so maybe other people can perform it but what you're saying about like now it's perfect like it's still gonna be what it is and even Mm -hmm. if it gets published in like my wildest dreams I could still be working on it but I have to just decide that it's done and I feel like that's something that whoo I that is that is hard but I like what you're saying about people haven't seen it they're just coming to see it and they don't know all your other ideas they don't know they just take it for what it is and that's huge I think to to remember yeah. Yeah. 
Well, um, I was just wondering if there's any like creative like practices or routines that you do that kind of help you in, in as an artist in general, not necessarily just on this piece. Um, I have like currently little deadlines, but they are so little. Like I'm talking like, hey, they they, they aren't even like have this writing or this draft done by this time. It's literally like, uh, revisit this thing. Just like uh, spend 10 minutes on it because I might spend more than 10 minutes. But if I just set tiny, like stupid, tiny goals on it, I'll remind myself to revisit. Um, during this like really horribly chaotic year for me personally, um, I haven't wanted to talk out loud at all. Um, metaphorical and literally being science silenced. Um, I, I still haven't vocalized. Uh, I haven't been rehearsing out loud at all. It's been very difficult for me mentally. Um, but getting to just like diddle little notes and like run a thing in my head and then uh, voice memoing it to myself and then writing it in my script. That feels so good because I, I did something, I contributed to it, but I didn't give myself this big weight of like, you need to do a full run through twice a week, da, 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 because I think I'd be hurt. And so like, even like trusting the people at SheATL has been amazing because like, I was going to have a full rehearsal day, a tech, like a 10 hour tech day, the day before we do the show. And then like a three hour tech the day of, and I would, I communicated, I was like, Hey guys, I haven't performed in like a year and a half, two years because of all of this. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that I'll be drained and I think it will be upsetting and not good. And we're filming it to stream. Could we do this all in like one day? Like, would that not mess anybody's tech stuff up? Like, you know, you gotta be really aware of the fact that you're not the only cog in the wheel. Yeah. And they're like, we can make that work. And I was like, oh, cool. I asked for what I wanted. Crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think that just like doing that and like giving yourself that space and um, it, just for me personally, uh, allowing myself to be as creative or not creative as I wanted to be has given me so much more permission to work on this piece than if I had beat myself over the head with like a ton of deadlines. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Actionable goals. We don't want to set ourselves up to fail. We want to like no. give ourselves a lot of flexibility, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Is there thank anything else you. That you want to share about, about your show or your process or anything? Those are all of my, my questions. I, if you are so inclined to watch it, talk, talk about it. Um, you know, the thing about like being like we talked about earlier, small businesses and like, especially women in the theater industry, like everybody, we're, we're such a, like a social media place in the arts, which is kind of like weird and also like not helpful, but also great. Um, it means that like every time you amplify something that you believe in, it helps. It really helps. And you might think, oh, it's just a retweet or like, I had a few nice words to say about this thing, but you have no idea what that means to us. I know like you and I both are in that space of like any, any time we can just like lend a two cents. Great. Like, thank you. Um, so if you, if you do listen to it or watch it or even your show in October, like 
just talk about it once or twice if you can, if you liked it enough, or if you didn't like it, like email me and be like, that hurt my feelings <laughs> or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just so important because we, we aren't in front of each other doing this particular for, for this streamed performance in September that I'm doing. Um, I'm not physically in front of a lot of the people that are watching. So I have no idea if it affects them. What if they're on their phones the whole time? Like, seriously, like, what if they're like ordering, what if they're eating mochi and it's just on, on mute? <laughs> well, that won't happen because they're paying money for it, but yeah 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 so I just I just encourage that like you know as much as you like retweet uh or or just like regram a thing because you see it on everybody's Instagram for like clout remember like the small businesses that are people and like please just just take a moment if you can to amplify us because it goes a long way and the more streams and the and the more tickets and the, all of those things that when you contribute to all these solo shows um it helps them book other things in the future like I, I used to have to count when I would um do stand-up um they would say like oh you can have seven minutes if you bring 12 people you can have five minutes um if you bring seven people for like a 40 dollar drink minimum 20 dollar tickets i get five minutes and you know i have to bring so and then if not if those people don't show up i don't get any time at all so even if it's like three people it wasn't enough so the stand-up world's like fucked in a lot of ways uh but my point is that all of those things you would not believe how much it affects performers and i hate that's even a thing but it's definitely the thing that we live in. Yeah. And um, I'm just so appreciative always of, of everyone that's ever come. And um, yeah, just thank you. And remember that going forward with anybody that you believe in, with any small business that you believe in, like taking a second to just talk about it really, really helps. Yeah. Yeah. Second, second snaps. Second, yes. Audio snaps. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah. Um, Yay. Well, where can, I'm going to make you talk about yourself one more quick time, like <gasps> your socials, if you can, where can people follow you? And yeah, if you want um, Broadway news three times a week, at least it's, it's every day, but it's at Broadway radio. Um, you can listen to it anywhere. You listen to podcasts. It's a daily news briefing of all things theater and Broadway. I host that. Uh, if you want to listen to my podcast, tell me on a Sunday for more um, storytelling please do that. You can follow me on all socials at it's grace Aki. And then my link in bio on all of those platforms links you to those tickets for to free a mockingbird. I would love it if you came and listened and viewed and watched and screenshot ugly screen grabs of me. Um, please don't record it, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that's, that's kind of where you can follow me on all things. Well, thank you so much. You're a gem of a human and artist, and I really can't wait to release this. Hey y'all, I did that thing again where I didn't end my conversation with Grace in a natural enough place to not address this at the end, but thanks so much for listening and I hope to see you virtually at Grace's show in September. Have a creative day, everyone.